So what it, we've got a new audio setup, and uh, what that means is, um, so two shows ago we had problems where I had uh, I I had problems with my default audio settings, and my webcam was being used of all things, and it's a whole cascade of dumb circumstances where it ended, it ended up being the device being used for for the entire show with nobody figuring it out until like I did the the post-production stuff and had to discover how to do audio engineering to clean up that mess and it kind of worked anyhow uh the show after that so last show last show um Minion had an open mic and was mouth breathing throughout the show so I only noticed that um, cause I don't hear him as well as I could, like a person with headphones on would probably hear him quite well. And, uh, so doing post-production, I got to hear him all over the place and that show hasn't been uploaded yet. Um, I'm probably going to do a lot of work on it. Uh, maybe not tonight, but tomorrow certainly and get that uploaded and I'm going to have to go through and do, I don't know. I don't know. There are these, uh, awkward moments of silence, right? You know, between sentences, which I do a lot. And those those are moments where the background sound can be heard, both on my end and in that show, hopefully for the last time, on Minion's end. But with Minion mouth breathing, I could actually capture that particular bit and try to clean up, I don't know, maybe the entire show. It's not a great solution. I'm going to have to experiment, but... Um, We'll see how that goes. Um, I'm not looking forward to that. So what we've changed is we are both, it's an idea that I had before, is we both have uh, our own audio setup where I'm recording a track locally. He's record, recording a track locally. But what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the, the two tracks and I'm going to mix them together and shift them as needed. Um, they should be lined up well. And then that can be uh, like down mixed into one stereo, stereo channel and then uh, processed from there. So it's going to be one extra step technically and more hard drive space technically. Um, but it's what has to be done so that we now have the ability to normalize or noise reduce or what have you both speakers completely independently. So this is the kind of stuff that I would normally share in segment three, but I'm always excited to talk about this stuff right away. <laughs> Anyhow, um, uh, we don't have a regular show, so I'm just going to talk about something random that I have in front of me. So I've joked before that uh, I'm drinking Diet Pepsi, and I'm not drinking it necessarily because I'm trying to lose weight. If I was trying to lose weight, I probably wouldn't be eating so much fatty fatty bacon which i i mean i stopped for a little while but my mood went kind of crap so i'm on bacon again <laughs> i'm gonna talk to a doctor about like uh, do i need a prescription for ba is there like a medical grade ba bacon that i can that i can get myself get myself some like uh spe specially weighed uh, cubes of bacon that i fried um so I'm drinking Pepsi just because I, I just want less sugar in my life in general. It's one thing that, that I can get used to. And, um, 
you know, it's one of many dominoes, I suppose, that I could play with on, uh, and if I wanted to do other things more seriously, this is one thing I would not have to eliminate from my diet. I wouldn't have to, I don't, actually don't really drink soda at all. So this is, uh, kind of unnecessary because normally I just drink tea and occasionally I drink coffee. Um, at any rate, what was I talking about? So that's the Diet Pepsi thing. So I decided I wanted to try Diet Coke, of all things. And what I knew is that there's Diet Coke, and there's Coca-Cola Zero. And then there, I, when I went looking, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to do a taste test. So I'm going to buy it all at the same time. I'm going to try it all back to back. And I, got, I found that they had uh, Coca-Cola Stevia. And uh, I already knew about Stevia, and there's, I think it's Monk Root. These are, uh, st I think stevia is not the name of the plant, but it's, it's, it's like a part. This is an actual plant part in the same way that uh, sugar from cane sugar, sugar is just the natural stuff. Stevia is the natural stuff from a different kind of plant. And stevia is, um, it's, it's really useful. I think everybody should look into stevia because stevia, uh, it's not zero calorie, uh, but it is, and it's not sugar. So it has a zero glycemic index. So that means that your, when your body has stevia introduced to it, uh, your body does not uh, perceive it like uh, other foods. Your body doesn't perceive it. So in the same way, uh, your body wouldn't produce uh, insulin for if you were on a ketogenic diet. Like if you're on the Atkins diet or something like this, where you have uh, an extraordinarily low, you have like no simple sugars, very low carbs. Your body's getting energy from protein and fat and make sure you exercise or you die, this kind of stuff. Uh, stevia is useful for that kind of person because it does not trigger insulin production. And this is also important, obviously, for people who are diabetic. So they could... Stevia is sweet. It's I don't. It's not as sweet as sugar, um, and uh, so I was I was intrigued at this. Intrigued at this because it you know stevia is natural, and so you don't have to have aspartame, which a lot of people are rather offended at. And and so hey, I, I thought I'd try it. I'm looking at the ingredients quick. And it's got no aspartame in it. Of course, it's got caffeine in it. And. Uh, you know, I, I went through, I went through the entire list. So I went Diet Coke. Diet Coke is, um, it's disgusting. Uh, it's disgusting. I hate it. I don't like it. Um, and I took a little sip of that and went, okay, I don't like that. Okay. Coke Zero. It was revolting. Like, it was differently. It was not quite as awful as Diet Coke. It was, uh, really revolting in some other new mystical way. That's why it's a separate product. I think it justifies itself being a separate product by being differently awful. And then I tried the stevia and that the thing about stevia is, and I, I actually have a bag of stevia and, um, it's, uh, it has a taste. People say that it doesn't. People say that it's just like a, I don't think they say it's a one-to-one -one replacement for sugar, but it may well be. Um, it's, I wouldn't even call it sweet either. It's, it's, it's kind of in the direction of sweet, but there's something wrong about it and it's got a taste. And when added with, with Coke, it is, uh, it is, it is wrong. 
it's wrong in that it's a Coke that's wrong, and it's wrong because it's just a really off, odd flavor. It's not quite, it's not quite chemically, but it is off. And so I went through, so that was, that was a taste of each and then went back and it tasted them all. And then I went back and it tasted them all and went, I, and it's me, right? So I, I actually couldn't finish any of them. They were, they were just terrible. And then I went with, okay, well, uh, oh, oh, and I went, I'm drinking the Diet Pepsi again. And it, this is great. This is great. This does not taste like diet anything. I think maybe what I should do, I mean, to be honest with myself, maybe what I should do is just get like regular Pepsi and then do a taste test between those. But then I might not like Diet Pepsi anymore. So I'm not sure I'm going to risk that. And it could just be something simple like, like, I don't know what the, what the ingredients will be. Like the magic is different, whatever the heck. But this has uh, plenty of aspartame in it as well. If I can actually read the can. Let me put another light on. 124 milligrams per 355 milliliters. So the entire can is 355 milliliters. Sorry if you're American. 124 milligrams. So what does a Diet Coke have? Does it even say? Oh, it's really fine print. 185. 185 milligrams per 500 milliliters. Oh, I'm not going to do the math. Okay, so whatever. It's not a huge difference. So I don't think it's the aspartame that's the big difference in, in the taste experience. But anyhow, that was interesting to learn, and it cost me more than I wanted to spend. But like I said about the garden hose nozzle thing, you know, sometimes, I mean, in, in this case, I'm spending money on purpose. I'm spending money on purpose, and I knew how much I was going to spend up front, and I knew what I would get out of it. And... And okay, maybe you have a story, which is actually useful. If you could pay money for some interesting life experiences and having stories, that, that's actually worth it. Um, so I've got that, but I also learned a little bit more about what I like. In this case, what I don't like and why. And it only cost me you know, four or three drinks that I didn't like, right? And the experience, it's not like I got sick or anything like that. That is a different kind of experiment. You have to know what you're getting into for something to be like, yeah, I'm going to eat cake for dinner and see what that's like. I recommend that. I really do. But uh, there are consequences to that. So do it, on a, do it on a Friday night when you don't have plans. And uh, and that might be like, you'll have that friend that says, oh, you should really try this. And it's some disgusting dish that you've never had before and you don't like the smell of it. Like it's escargot or something, and you know, like, like don't that that would be a fine waste of money for the experience if you're if it's not too much money for you, and if the experience threatens to be good, like if you're bonding with a good friend of yours, right? But uh, there could be terrible consequences, like you being so disgusted as to you know want to leave the restaurant or need to go use the bathroom or something, and just know what you're getting into. In this particular case, you know, I was at home and everything. I was perfectly prepared to go and, you know, suffer through drinking a little bit terribly. But it's not like these are going to... I mean, Coke is Coke, right? So it's it's acid. And my phone is bugging me. Hey, my phone. 
You know, I spent forever just to try to figure out how to make my phone give me the kind of notifications I want. Why, thank you. Now it's on airplane mode. Sorry, that's going in my checklist. That's actually something I want to go watch. Um, that is a fine segue, because that was uh, something else that I wanted to, to talk about. Is I've been fiddling with my phone a lot. A lot, a lot. I'm pretty much cool. I'm chill. I'm just going and making sure I know how to use all the applications I got. And one of the one of the necessary things, one of the necessary problems to solve is how do you make sure that that you're on that you can how would I put it? You can make good on your obligations. Okay? So you have schedules and stuff like that. You have schedules and you plan things, you have alarm clocks and timers. These things exist in your life and they should only exist in your life um, riding on the back of certain responsibilities that you choose to take. Yeah. Okay. Technically you choose to be employed and all this kind of subtlety, but, uh, if, if you've got plans for the weekend or something like that, you should be able to somehow have it be recorded. Even if it's only in your memory, it should happen. And if you, if you use a phone or something like this to, as an assistance for your memory, really, um, your phone needs to be able to appropriately nag you at the appropriate times, right? So it going off just now is a perfect example of this not being an appropriate time because I, I, I checked. I know I don't have anything planned, right? In fact, this, what I'm doing now, this show was scheduled, um, but not on my phone, which I'm probably going to have to do. Hey, let me write that down. <laughs> let, me, let me write that down. Okay, pen and paper. Here we go. I'm not going to click clickety-clack right now. So what am I going to say here? So show scheduling on phone. Now, oh, I totally want to talk about using a pen. So the, um, the thing about having all kinds of alarms and schedules and calendars and stuff like that is much of the time this is um it depends on the kind of person you are and the thing is you might have practices that are inappropriate for you and so it's something you need to pay attention to you can't play pretend like there's one universal system for doing everything and that you can be told it and that that will fix you that's wrong that's always going to be wrong and uh so it ends up being you kind of uh stealing from other people's ideas and making something for yourself, you learn how to do it. And um, of and one of the things is uh, you will find that there are that you might be highly interested in building a schedule, and maybe following a schedule, and you might build up a lot around that idea, and then it just becomes this big, overwhelming, tyrannical thing. So, for example, if I had you write down a list of all the things that you are interested in doing and getting done, stuff you want all the obligations for today, you know, oh, I need to clean my bathroom and I need to do the laundry and you just build list after list after, and it's, it just gets big. And it says, and it'll start saying things like, well, I should research uh, the price of a new hard drive because I need that for the more. And if you start adding explanations, it's really terrible. But that list, as soon as it starts looking further into possibilities, further into the future, that list becomes oppressive 
like really deeply oppressive. So you end up needing to um, know how to push certain tasks away, including pushing the full description of certain tasks. Push them so far away that they're already remembered. So you can forget. So it's okay for you to not know anything but what's in front of you. So just like I was talking about the checklists in a previous show, you would have you would have a to-do list that is constrained so that you can forget everything else. It's it's being remembered by your system. And so if you were to use something like a phone and you get a calendar app or something like that and you just you you fill it. You have to be really careful about not looking at the monthly view for example and you have to know you have to like you have to do things like schedule in breaks if if you're if you get overwhelmed uh, rather than put off whole tasks do a little bit of it because doing a little bit of it is still a success uh, even if you have to reschedule the full thing like uh, you it, you might you might be dumb enough to put a to-do item like clean house and that uh, okay well you're not doing that in one day especially if you've got other stuff to do so you might have that terrible to-do item that says clean house and then you look at that and go okay well 15 minutes i guess and maybe you get burnt out maybe you get distracted maybe you realize that there are more important things to do in life rather than just finishing cleaning your house so you you do other things and that to-do item never gets the little check mark that makes you feel good and you end up feeling like you're pushing it off well, that's really what needs to happen is it stays there you get one little tick mark that says i spent one unit of effort on this doesn't have to mean much and then reschedule it for the day after and and you do a little bit more so that one tick mark you don't have to say that you did just the bathroom right you just put a tick mark and, and that's fine and then Tomorrow, maybe you add one or two more tick marks, and maybe that represented you vacuuming the hallways, and you know maybe you wipe some counters down or something. Your to-do list isn't your diary of accomplishments necessarily. There are ways of doing that, which um, I mean I've talked about on my own time, but I might go through in the show to talk about how how to manage a a journaling to-do system. But again, this is something that worked out for me that I recommend, but I don't know if it would work very well for other people. I think it uh, wouldn't translate particularly well to a phone because so far I haven't found many apps on a phone that are any good at all. Like, this is an entirely different paradigm and people are pretending like humans work differently. So everything you do on phones is just off by a lot. It's very, very odd. Anyhow, I'm pretty sure I lost my train of thought in there somewhere. Um, so the uh, the the problem, the, the yeah, the problem I was facing is I needed my phone to to tell me when somebody texts me when I'm away, right? So maybe I leave this at my desk and I go and I use the bathroom or something, and and I get a text, and I come back, and when I come back, I don't go to my phone. Because I wasn't using my phone, I was using my desk. My phone happened to be over there, but I'm not going to go and compulsively look at my phone. Every time that I've been away for like, oh, did I forget? Did I? 
what I want is my phone to, at some point when I return to my desk, just occasionally ping me again and just say, hey, I, something happened. It doesn't know what, which is probably for the best. And so that if I'm sitting there doing something, I happen to have fuzzed out, I went somewhere or whatever, my phone will bug me again. So I can go and I can look at that. And that's not actually built into Android. That It's not even built into any of the software except for one program called Simple Calendar Pro. And I don't think the Pro version is the one that has it. I think they've got a free version that also has it. It's, it's just a chime repeat. And so you could have a calendar entry and, and set it to set an alarm off and then it'll keep repeating. Awesome. But for everything else, nothing else is actually capable of doing that. So I had to figure that out. I had to figure that out. And then you have to make sure that all these other alarms and stuff will actually work. And I know it sounds weird, but you can set things to happen on Android and have it not actually happen. And that's because there are some uh, power saving modes and battery usage things and whatnot that might actually, uh, I, it, there's a priority problem where some apps simply will not be able to know certain things at certain times. And so some timer applications won't work. So for anybody here that's actually got that problem. The way you solve that is when you tap and hold an icon on your home folder or your, your apps list, you get the, the menu with the different options. Usually there's a little eye. You click that, you get the list of attributes, the info for that app. And you can click advanced and you can see some more with like the version of the program and stuff like that. But then you can click power options. And there's an option for doing battery optimization. And this is very important for some apps. It's battery optimization, and there's one other feature. So battery optimization uh, might mean that this, when this app isn't in the foreground, and when your phone, so when the app is not, is not even running, quote unquote running, um, so it's just kind of in the background somewhere, it's not a task that you have open and you just you switch to your web browser or something it's it's not around um if it's not there if it's not like that and it's and your phone has its screen turned off that app might not be given a priority enough to actually run and set off an alarm so that's a problem that hits a bunch of 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 programs and so you can actually set that battery optimization feature on or off double check, double check and triple check if you've got a lot of reliance on these calendar items, make a bunch of tests going forward into the future. Um, and if it doesn't bother, you have them have them repeat and then just make sure you do your regular day and double check and see if everything is working properly. And there's one other feature, I think it's new in Android 10, where you can actually um, deny background battery use from applications. And I'm not entirely sure what the consequence of that is, um, but I actually was really aggressive in setting that for a lot of stuff. And the, you would, you, okay, so what that does is that means if you're not using the app 
and maybe you're, you've turned your phone, you've tur turned your screen off, that the app is unable to wake your phone up as a start. It does not operate. And there's a whole lot of apps that I don't want to, like, it's not their job to use, to be running when I'm not using it. I don't like that idea. That's a rather confusing concept. And so, like, why would you want your um, your calculator app to be able to use the battery <laughs> in the, when your phone is, quote unquote, off? Well, it doesn't need to because you're not using it, so it doesn't matter. So you can turn that stuff off. And it's probably meaningless if you've got high-quality apps that don't try to do nefarious things. But um, you can also set it explicitly for things like, well, what if you already have Twitter configured so that it doesn't send you notifications? Because that's the way you have it set up. That's the way you use it. Well, you can also have a setting where you entirely deny it background battery use because it doesn't matter. You only care about Twitter for that kind of person. You would only care about Twitter if you were using Twitter, not for anything else, not for notifications, not for waking you up with an alarm whenever somebody retweets you, nothing like that. And so I wish I could tell you offhand where that setting is, but, um, but if you look through, I think it's a permission, it's a raw permissions issue, something weird like that, where you can actually set that. Anyhow, if there's somebody that's really interested, I could probably go find that. But the information is out there. Um, so yeah, I, I mentioned mentioned getting my pen, which reminds me. Um, and, and I always wondered why it was uh, mostly an Apple, Apple user thing. And people would talk about iPads with using these little digital pens, these little write, writing pens. And people learning to draw digitally and stuff like that. And... Um, I mean, I've seen those like speed painted MS paint videos and stuff like that. And I, I have a hard time really respecting did completely digitally created art. I usually think of that stuff cause I'm old. I usually think of that stuff in terms of the post-production work when doing real art, then scanning it in, bringing it into a, into a, a digital format and then doing post-production cleanup quote-unquote photoshopping that's how i've traditionally thought of it I'm, I'm learning that a little bit the the new way of doing things a little bit more and i i totally get it yeah it's it's legitimate and it's art and all that and um so i kind i went looking to that stuff and so the first thing that i noticed is that it's very very um that the Apple products, the iPad and the iPhone have some really, really good quality, um, like multi-pressure pens. So you've got like, um, a thousand different pressure sensitivities for a pen that you, and so you can actually draw, like legitimately draw. And this kind of thing doesn't really exist on Android at all. And I found one, but it's only for a one particular, one particular uh, phone brand or something like that. And it's got its own pen. And so I was researching all of this technology and it's, uh, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting stuff. And it's one of these, well, it'd be nice if I had a kind of, if I had a pen, 
so that I can do handwriting on a phone, which seems incredibly dumb. But maybe I could not have not carry my little notebook around. And I could do I could just do I could jot notes. That would be kind of awesome. I would I could replace my regular pen with one of these digital pens. And so I'd be I'd be doing what, what was on pen and paper really easily, but I'd many hundreds of dollars worth of equipment is what I'd be doing, what I'd be replacing it all with. So I mean high high tech solutions. I was curious. I wanted to learn about if this was possible or what was going on and prices and all this kind of stuff. And and my are the pens really inexpensive. Like really, really inexpensive. But the thing is they are they're basically like fine point re replacements for your fingertip is what you get for Android. <laughs> they're not very good. They are one thickness of line with no sensitivity. And people are raving about, oh, this one can draw a line that isn't jagged. <laughs> or this one can draw lines that aren't like broken up. Like, oh, wow, that's the feature that... <laughs> and yet, if I look at the um, the more fancy stuff, it's like, yeah, there's some magical stuff. And then you have to think about whether or not it's like a Bluetooth, Bluetooth device, um, whether it acts like a, a mouse, so whether it's got buttons on it that you can click to do stuff, if you can configure those buttons. Now, all this kind of... <laughs> like, oh, this one has a magnetic attached... Uh, recharging and blah, 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 blah. So lots of choices there. Ultimately speaking, I'm probably not going to get one of these things because, I mean, what's the point? Really, what's the point? I, as, okay, I'd probably be hammering away on a typewriter because I'm the type, but, I mean, I do like pen and paper a lot. It's uh, something I discovered about myself. And I, I do... I am trying to integrate certain ideas into a phone because it's it's uh, there is more power available when you're trying to do certain things on on a, on a computing device. So the idea of just jotting notes, for example, um, a phone doesn't offer anything for that. It it offers a terrible experience for trying to trying to poke stuff in, fat finger things in, with some terrible autocorrect. And and an awkward interface, and what happens if you if you're three words in and you found a spelling mistake back there? Well, you have to like fat finger your way through that word, and oh, I hope you got a replacement um, virtual keyboard so you can actually cursor left and right properly, and 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 it's just it's an awful awful experience compared to a pen and paper. But if you're using something like um, a to-do organizer of some sort. Um, and there are some, what are they called? Ooh, note case is an example of this. Oh, I cannot remember the name. The, but it's a, there's a technique for doing mind mapping and some other stuff like that, for doing planning. And you can do that kind of thing kind of on pen and paper. But being able to do it digitally, it's like, well, if you wanted to make a database, yeah, you could write your address book, for example, pen and paper. Um, but if you put it on a phone, well, you can now sort by last name or first name, things like this. And you can have tags and you can group them by tag. You can search for things more in a more advanced way. 
And so if you've got a, a significant amount of information, then a digital assistant would definitely help. And so the, the trick for using, I find, for using a phone effectively is identifying the sorts of ways that I do things in a traditional way and staying with it in that way, not pretending like the phone can, can make my life easier. Like if I, if I needed to make a list of what I need to do today versus tomorrow, punching it into a calendar app is probably the, the wrong thing to do. Pulling out a little notebook and actually writing it pen and paper and because I can draw randomly if I want to, I can, I can make little symbols that say things like, you know, do this tomorrow, or I did only a little bit of, or, or whatever. It doesn't need to be edited and re-edited constantly. It doesn't really go in a calendar. It doesn't really matter when I clean what room in my house. It just matters that I do a little bit of it. And so like a text file isn't the right way of, of approaching that particular solution. But if I wanted something like a grocery list, well, a phone is, is in the right direction. It, it's not entirely the, the right answer though. So it's in the right direction because if you were to create a list of, let's say, let's say you like um, Kool-Aid. Okay, so Kool-Aid is the powdered powdered mix that you add water and sugar to, and you'd make all kinds of different flavors of drink. And let's say that that was you, that was totally your thing, and so you you make your list of the eight flavors or whatever the heck exists these days, and you write it in your phone, but you use a special program that helps you. So you can do like, um, you can note what flavors you like the most. And you can say how much you have left and you can say, you know, this kind of stuff. So you can go, okay, well, I'm out of orange. And you, and when you're out, you pull your phone out and go, I'm out of orange. And you, you click the thing, you do the whatever. Um, and you could do the equivalent with a pen and paper and just go, okay, buy orange. Or you can put a line through it or you can... If you go to the store and you pick it up and you go buy some, and you can you can go go to your phone and go, okay, well now I have it. Click a thing, and away you go. But you can't undo the line. You'd have to redraw the list if you were to do it pen and paper. So it's kind of it's kind of inconvenient. And so um, the phone can actually accomplish certain complex repeating editing tasks really easily where you can't really do that uh, pen and paper. It is, uh, I've, I've done that. I mean, I'm, I'm from before mobile phones. So I've done handwritten lists and just rewrite them every once in a while. And it's fine. It's kind of satisfying to, to take one old piece of paper that has a whole lot of lines crossed out because you accomplished all those goals and just rewrite a new one with just like the, the handful of stuff that's still left. That is actually quite an interesting experience. Um, and then you've got this old piece of paper that you could like put a date on and keep it if you wanted to. So you have like a little binder full of, you know, this is the mess that was this month. <laughs> and if you want to keep a journal kind of that way, um, that's actually a, a really odd way of scrapbooking your own life. Um, and that goes into the pen and paper thing that I wanted to mention that maybe I'll mention next segment or something. 
but uh yeah so phone's got it's got certain competencies and you have to know what you should be using a phone for portability etc and what you should be using pen and paper for and if you're the type that needs to do certain things don't don't pretend like you can do everything on a phone when you should just go and get a pen and paper and it, it's not that expensive to go and get like think of the trees right don't use paper well okay well i mean stop using so much battery power you, electricity comes from somewhere there there are consequences for having mined all of the material build the phone get the phone to you using the phone right there's there's consequences to everything you use but you know the paper that you would use does come from a renewable source so that argument is pretty bad so have a physical pen and paper if it's not i mean you needing to mop your kitchen is not a bit of personal information that needs to get encrypted like it would be on a phone like this is pretty boring stuff I can understand why you would want your like contacts lists and stuff like that encrypted, you know, in case somebody steals your phone, but you don't really have an equivalent for that in case somebody steals your notepad, because you're not going to really be putting anything particularly interesting on it anyway. Um, oh, that I'm, I'm looking at it now. I appreciate that you have a countdown timer. I really do. Um, it doesn't need the leading zero, so I guess, do you want me to edit the Lua script that generates that, I suppose? And, uh, I can see if I can correct that, so it can only count down, what, from, f I, I guess it doesn't really no, matter, right? because, um, it just, it, it shouldn't show really the matter. zero if there's a zero. Because I have to edit the script myself. You had I didn't notice, but there's a start and stop timer, so when I fiddled with it the first two times, I sat there watching, why is the timer still staying there? It doesn't change. Well, um, so it's, it's a little weird. So we'll have to see what happens when it's nine minutes, because when we say, when we say, we never say zero hours and ten minutes, right, which is what it has right now. We would say 10 minutes. And I'm, I'm wondering if when it hits nine minutes, is it going to say zero hours and zero nine minutes? Which is, yes. yeah, I mean, we also wouldn't do that. So there's some nuance there to be improved. And I mean, there's a difference between saying and looking. No, the thing is, I mean, it's acceptable seeing it on a screen, but it would be nicer if it was if it was a different way. It was cleaner but the thing is it's not even a fixed width font so things are a little bit awkward um well now we'll know but it's probably gonna go zero zero yeah yeah so what is this countdown timer uh, what i'll do is i think it's fine just to leave it alone i like see this is the 20 percent time so when you're out of things to do and you and all of your tasks only take up 80 percent of your brain power you tend to get bored and reach out to do more stuff. And this is exactly the sort of stuff that would be like, you know, this has been bugging me for a while. Let's, let me just sit down and see what would happen. Maybe it's really easy. Maybe it's an interesting problem. I mean, 
I've sat down there for an because I have the time now. A lot of people have the time now. I've had the time to just sit down and take an entire afternoon, f like fiddling around with something just to try to make it work. And even though it was a waste of an entire day and it's just some interesting, better looking thing, it pays off every other time that you're using it. Even if it's not more convenient, it, it's just a little prettier or it just instills a certain feeling. Um, it's, I love doing that kind of thing. I love, I love doing it. I, and for me, it just, um, there's a kind of mood playing with all the stuff that I've, I've got when I've tinkered with it myself. Um, you could even put the date with that title card. And I do have on my list um, making a logo. That should technically be your problem. Um, but uh, maybe I'll fiddle with that. Maybe I'll actually sketch it pen and paper first. But uh, I do know how to do... Logo? I would just make a I would just make a capital L and then stick the dot at the bottom part of the L. With the bottom part of the L? Or make it a... It could be like huh? an eye on its side being lazy. At the foot of the L. At the foot of the L. Yeah, I've got some... I've got some... <laughs> I just had an idea. Yeah, um... I've got some ideas that I could fiddle with. And, and we could probably do... Either that or I would just stick the eye... I would just stick the eye at the bottom. Do like, um hire somebody through Fiverr or something like that. <laughs> just be like, yeah, we're looking for something like this. Just you know, figure figure it out. And maybe you might get some interesting ideas. I guess. Ask for like. But um, I've got an idea of like if you made the because it's a it's a lowercase i, right? So the L can be a nice big solid straight clean L <laughs> classic font and everything. And the eye can just be this dude lying down. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, we'll picture you <laughs> just kind of sleeping in the in the hook of the L. Uh, yeah. Um, or just sitting there, slouching or something, reading a book, <laughs> looking at a tablet, playing a playing a tablet game, maybe with some little like little Z's. Uh, well, I can't right now because the servers. Well, I would be playing on the tablet, except the servers on their end are crying right now. Oh, I see. It's their fault. But you would. Of course you would. Of course. In your mind. No, not in my mind. Um, mm, so, um, for, for I think it was last show. I'll, it's strange, because I know I mentioned a whole lot of stuff. I do end up stopping and going and looking things up. Uh, if, if, if I've talked about something that was recent in my life, it's not that hard. I did actually find like, um, sources for all kinds of things. So for, for most of the time, what I'm doing is, uh, as I'm listening through the show and making edits, so I'm trying to clean up the audio as best I can. And I'm trying to note things that I might be able to pull out as a clip and all this kind of stuff. And we're not really using a lot of that information right now, but it'll happen eventually. You know, we can go back into our old stuff and I've done a whole lot of that ex that work up front so that my future self will look back at this stuff and, and be helped quite a lot. And so I actually take a lot of notes and stuff. And uh, a lot of these are getting put into the descriptions of the uploads when they're on YouTube. 
and the descriptions are bad right now because uh, Minion doesn't know what he's doing. Um, hopefully there will be improvement one day. Um, Yay, I'm not descriptive. F- fingers crossed. So like, like the links that are put in the descriptions are not actually clickable. Duh. Yeah, okay. So room for improvement. Anyhow, so uh, I remember mentioning the one guy who was stepping away from his open source project because he didn't, he felt bad about not being able to assist people. I actually found a, found that blog post, found it in my history. I didn't really go looking very hard either. I just kind of bumped into it. It was, I think it was bookmarked in one of my five browsers and six, six. And, uh, so I, I'll have that in the description and, and I mentioned schooling. Um, it wasn't for Denmark. It was for Finland. And, uh, I've got a link to the video where I learned about that, that school related stuff. And it's kind of interesting going back. I actually watched the, the previous show, like this show, I will probably listen to tomorrow. Um, probably not because I got more work to do from the previous show, but normally that's the kind of, that's the thing I would do. And it's quite interesting because I'll forget what I said, like overnight. And, uh, so it'll be interesting and I will, I'm probably going to go back and re-listen to previous shows on kind of a schedule. And there's something that I do fairly regularly for, um, my pen and paper notes that I can talk about when we're back from the break that involves writing down what you're up to each day and then going and reviewing previous days. Um, anyhow, so we're coming up on on a break. Why don't we take it just slightly early? And we'll be back in, well, now 13 minutes. So I'll see you then. Alrighty. So I actually have notes as to what I wanted to talk about, but I'm not sure if it was the stuff I had already talked about or not. So we're going to check Minion's memory. (laughs) (laughs) We had a long weekend last, uh, last weekend. And, uh, so... I was, I was away and I didn't actually had, I actually had plans pounce on me. Well, you skipped last season. I'm a little frazzled since you, you end up, you end up going away for a while, changing your routine, routine. And, um, and you're not, you're not quite, you need time to ease back into reality. And so my memory is definitely not working right. So I do, I see that we now have a countdown timer during the show to help me know uh, when, how much time I have left is really Uh, what I want to know. I think that's what everybody really needs to know. And that gives us, gives us all advance warnings so we can know when we're all going to take a break together. Wait, what? Sorry? Oh, okay. Never mind. I couldn't tell time. Okay. And, um, I'm wondering if, uh, if we can have music during that countdown timer, um, do it the exact same way you have the intro music with whatever the heck is going on there. Um, cause it's just dead air right now. And, uh, what else? Okay. So I still need to help you with, uh, so this is all unit three stuff, I guess I will. I thought this was unit two, unless you want to call it early for today.
Well, I mean, we could. Uh, let's see. Let's see where we can go. I mean, and halfway through this segment, we'll decide. Um, okay. So, how much did I rant about uh, about plants? Because I totally went looking further into the gardening thing. It is it is interesting stuff. What all the nuances to be learned. And now I know I talked offline to Minion. I bored him about this stuff. I don't recall. <laughs> so, so we, I'm I'm never going to be filming the front yard, but uh, the backyard is kind of kind of my thing, and that's what I've been thinking about. And and we've got problems. Like by we, I mean me, basically. So I've I've kind of kind of inherited this wreck um, that I'm I'm allowed to do stuff with. I just <laughs> don't know how. So. I did talk about how I pulled up this dandelion and, and I have a water weeder, which honestly everybody should have. But the problem is this, the, the soil it's back there. It's not really soil. It's sand, it's sand and rock. And it just so happens that weeds can grow in it. Kinda. And good luck digging anything out of that mess. And so I'm trying to water weed it. Which is really the only possible thing. If it was regular soil, boy, would this be easy. Man, it would be so nice. But the thing is, um, I, I'm, I'm having to kind of dig and water blast through this stuff. And I pulled out this dandelion. It was like, a, it was like, it was like the root of a bush. It was so awful trying to pull this thing out. And I tried a, a second one. I couldn't do it. And I tried a third one and I snapped it off. And, and I, the thing is, this soil, I can't even take a shovel to this soil. It's so difficult to actually do anything with. So I'm not going to be able to grow like life there. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, well, what can I do? And I'm learning. So I already understood some of the terms, at least. And I've said that when you're interested in a topic, you learn a little bit about it. You have to, There's a language there. There's a language to be learned for all kinds of stuff with gardening. And so there's stuff like, well, there's multiple different kinds of qualities that all come together in different ways to make soil. So the sandy, rocky is a kind of property, is one of which, is one of the three that's important to, to understand and possibly to have, depending on where you are and what you want to grow. And I'm thinking, okay, well, well, maybe it's maybe it's actually true that I should keep the soil. So I was thinking, you know, you just dig it all out, and then you get that that brown stuff, and you put that brown stuff there, that soil. Then you add, then you grow things, <laughs> grow th things in soil. That's how it works. Get rid of bad soil, put in good soil. <laughs> there's only one kind. <laughs> okay, there's not. There's apparently more kinds, and it's and there's like pH balance and and all. Uh, Okay, and then I had to learn about, okay, well, there are climate types and zones and there's how much sunlight and is it direct and what's the drainage and how much rain do you get? <laughs> and it's just on and on and on, all these different nuances. And it's, re it's fun, that's the thing. If you're, if you're, I mean, it's, sometimes you just have a problem to solve and and that's what you should do. And you should just like, what is the, the most effective, the best return on investment or the, the lowest maintenance over the long run or 
however you work, maybe you should solve the problem that way. But for me, I just have fun kind of exploring to understand more. And I went looking to see, well, what kinds of plants like that soil? Maybe I should think in that direction. Like, okay, maybe, maybe the soil isn't bad. Maybe I can add to it to make it more, um, to, well, to make the kind of plant that I like grow there. And well, now what do I do about the weeds? Like, how, how do I dig them up? How do I, like, how, how, how? Because right now my biggest problem is I need to take whatever is in my yard and change it into something else that I can weed somehow. And so maybe I should just spray. That's kind of a revolting concept for me. Well, maybe, and I went looking, there's something called a ground cover plant. And some people use this class of plant. They, they plant it at a certain time of year and they just let it kind of dominate their yard. And it, it, it's a fairly pretty thing. And it will cover things and it will kind of die off and it'll get buried in snow and maybe it'll pop back up in the spring, maybe, and all this kind of thing. But what it would do is it would suppress weeds and it would add more uh, material content to the soil because this is life that sprouts up and then dies down. So there's actual material that gets produced through this, this mechanism. So it actually... These sorts of things can help add like nitrogen or whatever else to your soil. And so some people do this kind of stuff. They think like that. Well, I was, I was looking in that direction for stuff that's, that have kind of like maybe native to our area. That's kind of asking a lot. Um, uh, that's, that likes our particular climate that, and I'm looking at that part of the yard. Well, how much sun does it get? And at what times of year and, and how much rain it does it have? What's the drainage like in the soil type and blah, blah, blah. And I actually found a, I wonder if I can get it right now. Let me look at my notes. How good are my notes? Come on, self, we can do this. What? Oh, ongoing bug. Okay, so. So what I do is I make bookmarks and I've got an add-on that lets me right-click and just hop to... Oh, sorry, I'm using a Firefox variation. And I can actually just uh, search for something. And let me see. Okay. I think I found what I want to plant. And I found a few different things. So there's like... If you go on... So first, you need to know your... Well, you need to learn your zone. And there's actually a, an article on Wikipedia about like gardening zones or climate zones. And these are kind of like, it's, I mean, let's face it, it's more subtle than just get, getting a number because you need to know all kinds of stuff. But generally speaking, like plants will grow where plants will grow. So as long as you understand lighting and soil type, and generally you're good with the with the zone matching because a lot of plants are like oh this will grow between zones four and seven stuff like that and if you're somewhere in there if you're like if you're four then you need to know that maybe this plant doesn't like the hottest of your hot summers or something like that and if you know if if your plant is if maybe your zone seven or something like that you have to know that that 
that plant might not like your coldest winters. Something like there's stuff like that that you would have to know about. So I went researching, and you just random research on the internet. You ask questions like, well, ground cover plants for sandy soil, right? And then just look through articles, and then, and they'll okay, and okay, gardeners just like foodies, they're very big on taking pictures of stuff. So you're going to get a lot of, of, of mediocre pictures of all kinds of stuff with funny names of plants you've never heard of, which is fine. Cause you can just look at the pictures like you, like you're, you're learning another language and you're just reading a kid's book and you, it's got pictures of stuff. So you're like, Hey, this is pretty. And you look at it and there's some words. It's like, you look at this, there's, there's some Latin words. Like, ah, I don't understand, but whatever. That one's pretty. And you go through these articles, like top 10 plants to grow in sandy, in sandy soil. And, and just go through them. And I'm, I'm seeing things like, well, that's kind of pretty. I wonder, well, what's, what's the deal with this stuff? And, and, and on and on and on. Like, well, there's a particular kind of thyme, you know, the, the herb that you can actually grow. Of course you can grow this stuff yourself, right? But there's this stuff that you can actually just grow yourself from seed if you wanted to. And you can just cover your backyard in it. <laughs> so, so. So there's one thing called creeping thyme, which it's um, it's ornamental essentially. You can do stuff with it, but it's it's this kind of uh, half a foot, like 15 centimeter thing, and it grows into the, the this mat that kind of spreads everywhere, and that's the kind of stuff that you would want to grow. It's not too tall, and if it's not too tall, it doesn't need really deep roots. So. If you are thinking about the future of, well, I've got to dig all this stuff up in case I want to do something better with my lawn. Well, you don't want something tall. You don't want to start growing bushes out there because from experience, digging up bushes really stinks. So this stuff, yeah, it's half a foot. Okay, that's perfect. And, it, and it's thick and it grows broadly and it grows on its own. Okay, that's awesome because as soon as you got stuff that does that, it will crowd out dandelions as a start because dandelions don't take their leaves and they don't push their leaves up. They, they push their leaves broadly across. So if there's other plants that kind of poke up around their leaves and, and get a little bit taller and then weave themselves together so they're thick, they will crowd out the light and they will kill dandelions or they'll, make, they'll shrivel them up and they'll die after a little while, right? And dandelions will try to poke up and they'll try to bring their their little uh, seed pods up. And you can just find them from that and hunt them down and just tear out their leaves for all that matters. So you don't necessarily have to pull up their roots or anything. So something like a, a creeping plant like this uh, would be awesome. And then you'd have to deal with all the really, really tall weeds. You know, the, ones that, the ones that get like shoulder height. And those, um, I've got those. And they're actually remarkably, well, okay, nothing is easy, but thanks to um, a water weeder, they are remarkably easy to pull up, even in the sandy soil, because they don't have really, really deep roots. And so, like, huh. And, and I can say, hey, I've got time in my backyard, and people will go, I've heard that word. That's awesome. And, and I'm looking from article, article to article, and some of them are really nice. And it's like, well, well, you can, 
<laughs> Lily of the Valley. Oh, that's cool. Creeping Juniper. Dead Nettle. I can't even pronounce that one. <laughs> and and so, actually, oh, wow, that's really good. Now, the thing is, you might get this list of you know top X for whatever, and then you have to think about, and that's the next thing. I, I'm in Canada, so we have to think about the cold. Um, and it's and it's not like some, it's, you know, the, the old joke that Canada is cold. Well, no, not really. Because uh, we all live to the south, and there's lots of places in, for example, the United States that are uh, brutal, just brutal. Um, so we have lots of different climate zones in Canada, and but you have to know where you are. You have to know what your hottest summers are and what your coldest winters are. If you're going to get something like a perennial, which is something that lasts, I think the the labeling is if it lasts on its own for more than two years. So if it's three or more years, and if it's something like um, I think it's like a peony, then it's it'll do more than ten, maybe even thirty years if you plant it and it just keeps going and going. Um, but so, so, and you want, I want something like that for lower maintenance, right? That's the dream. I'm not going to reseed every single, I don't know, spring, I guess that depends on the plant. Um, so you have to, so you can check up this and then look at soil type. Okay. Filter by soil type. And so maybe you'll get, you know, a dozen. And then of course you want to pick the pretty ones. So you're going to emit a bunch, but I started looking for the word cold to see if it survives cold or cold or cool climate to make sure it'll it'll live through our winter. If it's a perennial, it needs to live through the winter. Then I need to make sure that it can hand, handle sunny because I've got a lot of sun on one area and hopefully it'll handle um, partly sunny. Now, if you've got a, if in the early morning, there's a side of your house that is totally uh, in a shadow, right? And that side of your house only sees sun from noon on. So it's right in the way. It, so it gets half the day of sun. That's, that's partly sunny. Some plants will not like that very much because they want that morning light. Some plants may or may not like that because it might be cooler. And they might, might want it to be as warm as possible because that's what they're like. Some plants will like it. So no. And I've got half and half is what my yard's got. I've got one area that's open to full sun all day and another that's shaded for half the day and so i would need if i wanted consistency which I don't, maybe i shouldn't i would want a plant that that can do both maybe it won't be so strong in partial light but is very strong in full light and i'll grow it up on one side maybe maybe right and so i've got a bunch of of names for stuff but I think the thing that I'm going to settle on is, is called John Creech. It's named after the guy that discovered it. Um, that's its nickname. It's Sedum uh, Spurium. Man, fonts make things hard to read. And uh, it does flower, but... And the flowers are nice and interesting, but flowers don't happen all the time. So you should you should know that the plant looks good when it's not flowered. And you need to think about what happens if it sheds the flowers or if it makes berries or something weird like that. 
And it's like, okay, well, do butterflies like it? Do hummingbirds like it? Do bees like it? Uh, you want some of these things and maybe you don't want some of these things. And so if you've, if you hate birds, <laughs> then don't, don't grow stuff that's tasty for birds. Like, really easy. If, if you're allergic to bees and, you, and you're really scared, then um, stay inside. <laughs> and, but there are certain combinations of things that are particularly attractive. So you need to make that decision. So because I want something low maintenance, I might, I need to think about what happens to the flowers when they die off. And maybe, maybe you just plant a little bit and you'll find out that year. And or maybe you need to find somebody's YouTube channel where they're growing this kind of stuff and they can show you at different times of year. Um, but when this stuff isn't flowering, it actually looks really cool. It lo it's got really nice leaves. And so I think, I think this is appropriate, at least along one fence of mine. And I can grow it and it won't be a complete disaster. And I think it'll be easy to dig up if I ever need to you know, clear that area for some reason, right? Like if you're replacing fence posts and this kind of thing, if you grow bushes right up against your fence, best of luck. Because you got to dig a lot of stuff out. And then once you've dug a lot of stuff out, now what? Now you've got these holes and these bare patches right up against your fence. That What are you going to do? Replant bushes? Well, they're going to take a while. So, <laughs> it's, if and okay, from experience, because we tried transplanting lavender it just doesn't really it doesn't work it just doesn't work um yeah it, you'd be better off taking cuttings really carefully taking cuttings and using that to grow totally new bushes than try to actually transplant bushes because mind you i don't know what i'm doing so other people who do maybe they'll maybe they will actually have success i know somebody somewhere is like oh it's so easy yeah, not for me. I have a black thumb. How do you even? Which soil did you take? The one from your potting plants, or? Sorry, the the soil you took to transplant the lavender. Okay, so I had access to to two kinds of soil. So I had soil from where I dug up the lavender, and I did. So I left the roots in the clump as much as I could. I probably loosened up it up way more than I ought to have. But, uh, so I took that. One of them I used 100% backyard soil or 100% its yard soil. And uh, so that's how I, how I have it in a kind of a pot. And for another plant, I did some of that, like it came with a bunch, and then I used potting mix for it. And so the one with potting mix is probably just going to die. Um, some of it is alive, and the one with just its own soil is also mostly dying, but some of it's alive. I know that I used the wrong soil for one of them. And the watering is actually receiving water as opposed to none? Well, so that's the thing. Lavender lavender does not like to be watered. Huh. Um, so when transplanting, you have to water, because if you're transplanting something into dry soil, you you got to water it thoroughly because that dry soil is just gonna suck the life out of the roots. And if you're transplanting something, like lavender requires a really well-packed um, soil. So, and that was something I didn't, 
I didn't 100% guarantee, I didn't step on the, I should have been stepping on the plants to, not on the plant, but you know, around the roots to make sure that it's really packed. Take that plant. <laughs> Grow if you know it's good for you. Grow or I'll step on you more. The beatings will continue until morale improves. Wait, what? And uh, so I, I, if there's, because there's, if there's pocketings uh, in air, pocketing, pocketings of air, pockets of air will actually cause uh, the roots to die off. And so I know I've got a lot of that going on. And so I kind of understood that up front. And this is a bit of an experiment and maybe I'll do it again. And maybe I will just go and buy lavender plants because I don't, I can't imagine that they're that expensive. Just get them in pots and then kind of pull them out and plant those because that that's actually not that hard. So, so yeah, but I, I mean, I don't, if, if I were to figure out how to transplant this into the backyard, then, and I'd be all for it. And there's a couple of places I would actually do that, but I would not, because it requires full sun. So I'm not going to put it up against the fence, but I don't want to put it next to, you know, how air conditioners, central air conditioners in houses have uh, these external fan loud things. Well, I've got, there's some great space around that. <laughs> and uh, lavender would be shorter than that, but I don't know how it would like that, that area. But that would be awesome to have lavender around the side of the house there. Um, but I don't want to grow it near the fence, for example, because, you know, digging it up kind of sucks. Um, at any rate. So yeah, I'll, I'll look into this particular plant and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying the experience of learning more about this stuff. Okay. So I guess I didn't talk about a lot of that stuff. Um, oh yeah. Correction. When I mentioned phones running BSD, I, I meant, I was thinking of iOS, which uses Linux. So, and again, I add these updates in the description. I've talked about the morning lark thing. Um, but I never really talked about some of the, some of the weird things. So I don't know. Did I talk about like the temperature of the house? If you wake up early, things are different, really different. Um, and you've got a strange option to, I know not many people will do it. Depends on your neighborhood and, and like pollution and stuff, but Sleeping with your window open during the summer is actually really, really nice because there's usually a very big temperature difference. And uh, so you can actually cool your house off. And if you're a morning lark and you wake up really early into a house that's, that's maybe had, even if it's an upstairs window or something like that, that's been open and you've been circulating air all night, you wake up into a house that's quite cold, certainly in comparison to the day before. But yeah, it gets really cold overnight. And so it's a rather, it's a rather interesting experience. I really like it a lot. And so you can actually pitter patter around your house in, in like a robe and slippers or whatever. But the problem is if you're up really early and I never mentioned this before, but, um, it really stinks. If you, if you live with people that are light sleepers, uh, you can't really be up very early and do stuff. And even doing stuff quietly might be hard for a lot of people. So for me, 
if you've got a squeaky house, for example, you you might never notice it in your daily life until you start being a morning lark and you're getting up and you're squeaking around the house and people are getting disturbed because they find out. Like, you wouldn't know that somebody's a light sleeper because you're sleeping at the same time as them. But as soon as you're up and kind of about doing stuff, you learn, oh, you can't do dishes or you can't pace around or you can't... And it's like... It, there's a joke that the microwave is the loudest thing in the house you know, after a certain time, right? It's, it's the 3 a.m. alarm clock. Um, so you, you've got consequences for being, for being a, a morning lark. It's pretty bad. And uh, I guess oh, lots of bullet points. So um, I, one other thing I want to talk about the, the yard thing is we were digging out some, not just lavender bushes, but some other stuff. And making giant pits that we're now filling in with other soil from elsewhere. But we had a giant pit that I actually f uh, like half tripped down. And the thing is, I didn't, we didn't even notice that there was additional root structures still kind of poking out of that hole. So I bloody well hurt myself on that. And now I know more to actually clean out the, 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 I mean, it's just one more thing you need to do when you're digging something out. And that's why I just don't want to plant another bush anywhere ever again. Um, it, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the consequence the, with the mess afterwards. If you want to get rid of it or replace it or whatever, because some of these bushes, they just keep growing and growing and they start growing sideways and, uh, and they're just awful tangled messes and they might look good or acceptable. And when you go and you look, you like part the leaves and you see the tangled mess of junk and the webs, <laughs> the moths and right. It's just, and you might not want that in your life. Um, it is just hard to clean up after these things. And there are consequences, giant pits, death traps. Um, and so, yeah, that also made me think about getting uh, gardening pants. Cause I mean, I could erect a perfectly good pair of pants doing that too. Thankfully, I didn't. There's, um, I was thinking about this moment for the, I'll link the documentary for the previous, in the previous show that I mentioned it, but regarding the Danish schools and how their reformation really helped their, their performance, so to speak, like a school's job isn't a daycare. A school's job is actual education. A school's job isn't indoctrination. It isn't culture. It's about teaching things, actual things. And so there's a, you know, the standard American comes by and is like, everything's so pretty. How do you do this? And then and the, all the, all the teachers just scratching their heads like, well, we give them less homework. <laughs> well, but how do you, well, we don't keep them for very long. Why? <laughs> but how do you, how do you afford all this? Well, we have the same money you do. We just spend it more efficiently. <laughs> well, how do, and, and the Americans talking about this school system, like, well, we had to, we had to cut corners in order to, to save money. So we, we cut out music <laughs> and the teachers are like, what? It's like, you, you cut out art. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, we cut out art so we can focus on. And it's like, wait, wait, focus? I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, well, 
it's there there really are two kinds of people and they both they're the people that are just the type right and they're the type that they they doodle they whatever they're the artist type and then the the type they're the the science type they're the math type this kind of stuff and they have very different perspectives on lots of stuff and you might think okay well well what we should have is education that's suited to that particular personality type but it's not actually true what you need to do is is every person no matter who they are has to have equal exposure to stuff to learn if it's actually true that they do or don't like stuff and the idea of removing a class of of education of quote-unquote education right if i call art education i'm kind of lying aren't i and it can be art history and sure that's education whether or not it's useful is something is a different discussion call it like learning to doodle okay your drawing class your painting class whatever you might think oh that's useless why because it won't get you a job why is high school about getting a job like uh, no it's not it's still not it's still learning about what you're good good at what you do and don't like and it's about rounding out a human being and it's not about catering to a particular personality type it's not about making that experience easy for that kind of student so you can imagine the the like science nerd kid actually pushing that student into an arts side of stuff might help round that person out and not have them be such a hyper-focused like single paradigm sort of person it might actually help them understand that different kind of kind of life experience that different perspective they might actually like some of the things so i might be able to to like interview a nine-year-old and i can being my smart adult self say oh okay i know everything there is to know about this kid now because i'm an adult and i know stuff well first off a nine-year-old isn't like done yet <laughs> so you might pretend like you can see the things that you want to see but that doesn't mean anything that that's not a so if you were dumb enough to cater the education towards what you think that student how they would excel you were doing them an incredible disservice because you're going to be wrong about how you predict their personality no matter how subtly wrong you're going to be wrong they're not going to be able to communicate themselves well you don't know how they're going to like or dislike things or whether or not like it it's it's adults meddling with children when they do these sorts of things so what we do is we create a rounded education and oppress all young people with the same stuff and if that that oppression has to be well-rounded so that you can cater to enough people and you can force other people so you can actually have a more human experience that has to include all of these things and and again the argument is okay well i mean poetry is not going to get you a job dance is not going to get you a job and okay you know what it's not true that's actually just not true and i'm trying to i'm trying to think of how i would have articulated this had i been you know faced with that american teacher it's like look 
it's so the education system plays pretend that through memorization that a human becomes better like better suited more employable happier whatever lies that they tell themselves and what happens like the the very first thing that happens to a human being as soon as they've taken care of everything else you know as soon as they're they don't go starving as soon as they've got decent shelter like they start going towards the real passions they have in life that always goes into the direction of serving others in some sense uh exploration or creation construction of some sort or the various kinds of art why would you take that stuff away when you could rather freely give them to people that already have a lot of the rest of the stuff like a kid that's able to go to school can be given the free time where they're not they have a school they don't have to worry about shelter at that moment right they don't have to worry about a lot of stuff and so it's possible for them to get good solid exposure to the stuff that that they would have to work for their entire lives and then retire to be able to explore as adults you that should be something that's really important to give to them when they're young but i'm thinking okay well because these are these are the the non-artist types making these decisions well what specific concrete employable uh, type of like how does how does how do the arts map over to a career and most people would say well you be an artist make paintings sell paintings make money that's your career okay no how about um learn to sing so you learn to talk so you can have a nicer voice so during a job interview you have more confidence speaking right learn to write learn even poetry uh, so that you can be a better writer so you can make a better job resume so you can do better written communications because there's a lot of that that still happens right okay read more random literature so you have a a wider base of language to draw on so you have more stories so that you're more interesting so you're a, a better natural storyteller so that you can have so you can carry on with the the kind of uh random conversations which happen so you can just do it eloquently in a job interview you've got your posture that's a dance class you've got the your mannerisms so you've got your your speaking you've got like all of these different subtle things they don't come from your 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 academia those subtle skills they come from the arts they're not coming from your sciences your your maths are not going to improve your your social skills they're not going to make you better at writing a resume you're going to be able to what get technical skills to do that but you're not going to have the kind of eloquence um, when either crafting that or when actually visiting a business there's all of these subtle things that happen and far too many um bean counters will make decisions for either budget or for education of some sort that and though that sort of human can't understand the value of the arts 
And so they just cut these things because they wouldn't, uh, it never helped them. And it's because they were never interested. They were never the type. They were never exposed. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a civilization problem with with catering to the, the two major personalities. We're catering. So in writing, we've got the gardener and the architect personae. The architect is that well-groomed, carefully sculpted hair sort. No, the glasses and pocket protector. That would be the scientist. That would be the, the, the uh, accountant, uh, the mathematician. That, it's off in that direction. It would be the classic. You'd often see introversion, but not necessarily. You would often see uh, shyness, but not necessarily. And those are two separate things. Um, and the other sort is the, the gardener, who, the explorer, uh, not necessarily the risk taker. Um, it is the, the artist, the, the painter, the dancer. It's often the speaker, but not necessarily, and so on and so forth. And they don't understand the other. They don't even necessarily know that the other exists. Because we, we can all look around and we can maybe make fun of the wild-haired sort. And there'll be a version of that for everything. There's, there's oh, the artist with the, the, head, the head in the clouds kind of artist. And then there's the scientist with the frazzled hair, right? There, there are themes for humans. And the problem is that uh, some of the, the themes for humans are not present when making decisions about, about our educational system. So they will themselves be the architect type and they will see things as being systems that need to be crafted just so in order to have certain expected outcomes. And so an architect will look at education and they'll want systems to be in place. They want plans. They want proof. They want um, reproducibility. They want to have testing. They want to know that things are working a certain way where a gardener would have a block of funding, would make sure that the teachers are competent and safe, that they're smart and would give them, would make sure that they have separate specialties and would just give them a budget and go, okay. And they probably, and that would be wrong, but they're both wrong. And they, they would need to cooperate together to have, um, a kind of healthy mix. And because bean counters run schools, they end up looking at a lot of the arts and just saying, well, I, I wouldn't have benefited from this. I wouldn't have liked it. Let's, we, it's a lot of money to do this. Let's just not do it. Um, they'll spend plenty on like <laughs> on, on football or something like that. Right. Cause other interests are at stake, but they'll, they'll cut music out. They'll cut art out, etc. They'll cut out the drama and, um, they'll put the money into, you know, better physics and better math and better, etc. Anyhow. So yeah, the art side of stuff is, uh, is far too vulnerable in that, that school situation. And too many kids have to kind of do their art on their own time. 
which which is fine for the the people that are self-driven but for the people that aren't they just wouldn't have proper what we say like professional exposure like a teacher is a professional right uh to help them along the way they just they'd not be they the fire wouldn't be in that sort so they wouldn't explore it so they grow into an adult that was missing that kind of thing and that's a that's really unfortunate because a, a drives it drives a rift between people so you'll get the architect type who gets brought through an architect school system and they grow up having not enough exposure to gardeners so that as adults and as adult decision makers they don't they can't understand that there are that there are gardeners out there and so it's harder for them to interact so like good luck having a straight architect date a gardener it's really hard because they don't they don't naturally get along because they're so they're not just different like they're alien and but if both had exposure to each to the other then then it's really intriguing because you've got separate interesting hobbies uh, but the thing is gardeners are in a world full of architects like just run by them and it's so they're they're the fringed artists the quote-unquote daydreamers the time wasters that are fiddling with the stuff that have to fill their spare time with their passions so they end up growing into a world that that they actually do understand that world so they tend to be more rounded and get along with with more different kinds of people so we just have this this hyper architect uh education system that it's starting to breed people that are very ugh, how do i put it we're breeding adults that are um less understanding of of alternate perspectives outside of their their well-architected lives their well-architected educations uh anyhow so I, that's that's killing my voice talking about that how odd um yeah for the first time in this podcast my voice is actually sore how much time do we have until break five minutes okay so um i think when we come back we might make it short and just talk a little bit administrivia and uh i say do you want to just call it now but we can do it after the break do do you want to call it now do you want to go a little bit longer well we don't do we have anybody watching right now uh i don't believe we usually do don't think so no just just our usual yeah yeah why don't why don't we call it now make it short I don't know why my voice is wrecked, but it's really strained. Do the administrative now and then call it? Okay, sure. So I guess my first question is, Minion, are you keeping a to-do list at all? Yes. Okay, so, and it must be getting long. My recommendation is... Uh, yeah. I've cleared a few things and I've added a few things, but it's not really getting that long. Okay, so this is good. Um and it's it gets intimidating having a, a list so you might just pull out one thing a week and just be like this is the only thing that i'm working on and then just don't look at the rest of the to-do list so if you have to keep a separate notepad list of stuff that's like next up to do then try that if that helps so for example and i want you to double check that this stuff is actually on some list somewhere 
Um, I only have one to-do list. Yeah. Um, it's uh, during the break timer. Um, can you make sure that there's music? Okay. Um, next, and you might have to bug me, but um, fixing all the titles for all of the episodes. So you would have to look at competition, perhaps, and get inspiration. And then, so it'll, it'll be like a bunch of words, pipe, lucid indifference, and then the date, or something like that. Like some other system that makes things a lot easier. And you have to remember that you have a limited amount of characters, uh, because if you want things displayed in the recommended videos column, you only have so many characters that can get displayed before it just cuts it off. So you need to discover that kind of stuff. And it's the same with the descriptions. The descriptions are awful and terrible and don't have HTTP colon slash slash. So they don't link to anything. And this is a problem. Um, you could also mention the website in there if you want to, even though it's a, uh, it's a uh, redirect. Um, that's fine. But if you mention it now, you don't have to go back and edit all the descriptions later. Um, so just auditing the descriptions to clean them up better. Um, again, mimic success. You'll, you'll never be better than the next guy if you're always chasing them, right? If you're only ever copying somebody else, you'll only ever be as good as somebody else. Unless you add something more, you'll, you'll never surpass. Maybe you don't want to, right? Sometimes you really don't. So, for example, this podcast will never be better than podcast X, whatever better means, right? Uh, if it just does the same stuff. If it's the exact same, then it's always going to be second place because somebody else started first. That's how it works. So there's always... But for something basic like descriptions, like keywords, like whatever, right? Like bullet points, capitalization... Go find find a favorite active podcast of some sort and then target it specifically to understand how they do things and use that as your, your learning, not exactly template. So begin learning from there. Um, and I did the new website redirect. So I'm, we talked about the last episodes. I'm still kind of working on them. Um, I didn't really talk about the audio cleanup much, and I'm not really sure how at this point. I think maybe one of the segments I should talk in greater depth as to how I do the audio cleanup, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, but I'll make a note of that for me. Um, what else? That's mostly everything. Um... Yeah, that's most that's good enough for me. Okay, so I made arrangements. Oh, to um, sorry. I guess we'll figure out the pod, the RSS thing later. I have no idea what you meant when you were talking about that thing for the. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. This is the, the iTunes. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that offline. Um, but uh, yeah, it's conf it's confusing. Some other upload tool should do that for you, whatever the heck that is. So probably that's what would using one of those rebroadcasters. One of the advantages of using that would be it would take care of this weird requirement of theirs. 
Um, mm, okay, yeah, so that's it. Uh, we're going to call it for now. We're going to be back on uh, Sunday. This is, this is why I should have a calendar in front of me. Sunday, the 30th of August. And that will be episode number 14. Until next time, I will see you later.